Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature Boston-born, New York City-based abstract painter, Demetrius Wilson. His work stems from a place of personal biography and collectively shared experience. Finding both moments of stillness and activity, his work constantly adapts while it moves through pockets of the whole. He describes his paintings as working through a process of displacement and is interested in how time can be handled. His paintings do not take on the task of blending time, specifically past and present, but rather distort it so as to challenge one's visual field and comprehensive capacity to identify breaks in time. Adaptation is therefore a major theme in the artist's current body of work. Specifically, Demetrius adapts through the linguistic and interpretive relationships set up by color. Color alludes to persons, but also other things, other contexts, like the environment itself. Demetrius is currently completing his MFA on Hunter College next year. Enjoy this episode featuring Demetrius Wilson and visit CerebralWomen.com for additional information. Demetrius, welcome to my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So, when did you discover your artistic passion? Um, I've always been, I mean, it's not such a bizarre kind of introduction into the arts, but I mean, I've always kind of been around the arts. I was more actually interested in uh, fashion. I wanted to be like a fashion designer, especially all through high school. But it wasn't until college, my sophomore year, that's when it kind of really kind of clicked for me. I was, it was like 3 a.m. in the morning, and I was up late just watching YouTube documentaries. And I saw a John Michelle Bossier documentary, and that kind of just like really just kind of put things in perspective, and it really changed how I perceived things, especially with an art. And from that moment on, I kind of wanted to just really dive deeper into the passion of just creating, and that kind of was the genesis of my interest and love for the arts. That's great. And uh, how would you define your practice? Uh, my practice has definitely been evolving over the years, especially being in the MFA program um, at Hunter College. It really it started out more figurative. I think especially once I started getting more familiar with the arts, that's kind of the, the, the starting point for me. And then as I get deeper into my practice, more familiar, more comfortable, I started branching out to abstraction. So I'm really using a plethora of these forms. I kind of like to associate them as languages, using these these forms and languages to articulate my concepts, my messages, 
um, or whatever it is that I'm trying to explore within the medium of art. So, yeah, no, I, I like to just describe them as forms and languages. It just makes sense, especially how fluid it is as I'm jumping from concept to concept. Um, it just makes the most sense for me. That's so interesting. I was always curious about, you know, how an artist, how a person perceives the work they're doing and making the choice between figurative versus abstraction. So as a painter, do you feel your audience understands your work as an abstract painter? You know, it's funny because yes and no. Um, I think the most important thing for abstract art, which is kind of the thing for all art, but specifically abstract art is the context. You really have to set it up in a way that can be perceived and understood for people who may not be as well-versed within that language. And I think over time, as they get more familiar with the work that you're putting out there, I think the comprehension of what you're showing them, it gets a little bit better for them. I mean, I don't want to speak for all people, but clearly I am a black man. And growing up, I pretty much grew up around all figuration. I think that's just something that was innately under, easily to understand. But as I got older and as I got more developed in my practice, I started branching out to abstraction. It, it is kind of complex, but I think there's just so much more that you can kind of incorporate within it. And I think that's such a, there's a beauty and there's a, a, a fun energy within the abstraction that I've really enjoyed doing. And I hopefully the work that I'm creating I hope my audience is able to decipher and understand it, but it's perfectly fine if they don't get 100%. You got to be realistic at some point, so that's fine. And what artists influenced you? Yeah, um, I mean, really like John Michelle was like the first artist that I really stood by when I got into my art practice. But as of late, especially within school, it's been really fluctuating. Cecily Brown has been a huge one for me. Mark Bradford. Vaughn Spann, who's a new one. Um, I got introduced to his work a few years ago, um, and I've kind of just been really obsessed about how he pro he approaches his work, his materiality, his subject matter. Yeah, I mean, I'm really interested in... It's kind of weird because I'm a painter, but I don't really look at a lot of painters. Cecily Brown's a painter, but outside of her, I'm really looking at artists who have this fascination with the material of the objects themselves. Um, and how they're able to push and pull lots of things within that object um, that they're working with. But yeah, that's just a few to name. And I, I know you're still finishing up your, your MFA. So can you comment about how your art professors have impacted the direction of your work or, or how you're approaching your practice, how you're building your practice? Yeah, I'm, I'm super, I've been super pleased from the moment I touched foot at Hunter with the program and the faculty um, and the community that we've been able to build and kind of like just maintain, especially coming back from the pandemic. Even before I got to grad school and undergrad, my professors told me all the time that your community is where you go to school. And I went to school in Worcester, Massachusetts, because I'm from Boston. But I slowly realized that my community was no longer um, as accessible to me. So at a point in time, I had to make the decision to make the move to New York and that's what I kind of did, and it really was the best decision. But to answer your question, my professors have been very instrumental into my practice, just really going back for just to be challenged intellectually and both within my practice 
expanding ideas, concepts, perceptions, just how I look at things and how I can address certain subjects, certain things within my work. Um, Lisa Carlin Davis has been a huge champion of me. Carrie Moyer, A.K. Burns, Neri Ward, Juan Sanchez, the whole entire faculty of Hunter has been truly amazing. And I think to have people within those positions to believe in you is truly there's no words you can really put on, especially when you're so early in your career. So it's been extremely helpful and encouraging, to say the least. That's great. So this question I ask figurative painters, and I think the answer is a little bit more obvious, but as an abstract painter, are there concepts or thoughts that connect your work? Yes. Um, I think for me, and there is no, it's not to not, other abstract artists who are able to just work extremely within improvisation or just not to say that they're not thinking, but it's a little bit more food for them. I think for me, before I can attach the work, I have to have an understanding of what I'm trying to do. I need to know the concepts. I need to know what issues or what memories that I'm trying to associate within the work. It's really just a tipping point for me to kind of get started. Once I have that, then I could pretty much go into that phase of improvisation but I do need something to start the motor of the boat to really keep it pushing. So for me specifically, I've been working within a lot within memory, not necessarily nostalgia, but more so just how can I use certain elements from my childhood? Cause I moved around a lot. So displacement is one of the things that I use. Culture is something that I'm getting into being uh, my father is from Alabama. My mother is from Haiti and I'm from the Northeast, so just having an influx of all those different upbringings and different ways of life is imperative to my structure. And now I'm thinking about uh, the apocalypse and things of that regard, not necessarily within the frame of religion, but but yeah, I've always had this kind of inclination of like the end of the world, especially with everything going on now. Um, that is definitely something that I've been thinking a lot about a lot. Mm-hmm. What materials do you currently use in your work? And do you see yourself changing and leaning towards combining different materials? I've definitely done it within the past. I mean, I use oil paint, but I've, because one of my, the artists that I've looked into, like Vaughn Spann and Mark Bradford, and how they're using these unconventional and conventional materials to make up their works, I've definitely dabbled in those materials to kind of construct my pieces. Especially being in school, I have the liberty to do so. But to be honest, my professors didn't really like what I was showing. And they really did bash it. But I think for me, I kind of had to use those materials to understand the tactility of my objects that I'm creating. So I've tried tar. I've tried cement. I've tried aluminum, aluminum spray paint, spray paint, acrylic. But I always come back to oil paint. For me, I, I really enjoy the fluidity and the liveliness that oil paint delivers. And especially with an abstraction, it just makes it so much easier to manipulate and utilize. When do you know work is finished? It's a feeling. Yeah, I feel like a lot of artists really have their own kind of indicative marks of when the work is finished. But I feel like they all really boil down to the same point, And it comes down to the feeling. Me personally... I usually work on a work for about three to six months. It could be a little bit longer, but I'm not really directly working on the piece for three to six months. It's really on and off. And most of the time it's really just observation. And through that observation, as I sit and live with that work, I get a feeling whether or not it's done or not. If I don't get, if I don't get the inclination to do anything else towards it, 
that's how I know it's complete. And also using like photos really kind of help because it adds another eye in a way to kind of view the work. So I use that a lot to kind of dictate whether or not I should continue or not, because I can't always mess up a painting and I always do mess up paintings, which I really do enjoy, but sometimes it's not, it's not always necessary, but yeah, it's definitely a feeling. And then what is your process of choosing color? Yeah, I have a very daring relationship with color. So it's never really methodical. I'm never really going out of my way to say, oh, I'm going to use a red, a blue, a yellow, a green. I'm in a painting. I may have like one color, but then I'll have another color to just to react. My whole thing is I really like using color in a way that is just it's super unpredictable. But also, how can I use these the most unusual color relationships to make the most beautiful painting. That's kind of how I think a lot. Recently, it's kind of been changing. I've definitely been a little bit more methodical, but for the most part, it's very daring. And yeah, like just kind of making it super attractive for a lack of better words. And when do the titles of your work enter the creative process? It usually comes during the time of when I'm sitting and living with those works. Really just staring just having a conversation with the painting asking it what it wants to be titled not like not literally but just like that's kind of like what it's like when you just when i just sit there look and have these ideas and i also write a lot so kind of gaining ideas from my writing and it really does help because i can't come up with some creative titles i kind of really do enjoy that rather than coming up with the most mundane ones because it has to really fit the painting do you listen to music while you're working I do, I do. I've, I had to compile a couple playlists because I can't keep going back and forth to my laptop to change the song, but it really is a vibe. Like, I need music in the studio. I can never really paint with nothing in the background. But yeah, I've been I've been listening to Paramore a lot. Then obviously I have my hip-hop and my and R&B music, but yeah, I've been listening to a lot of alternative music, and it just puts me in a different kind of vibe, different kind of mood, which is definitely... It's a it's a movie in there when I'm in there with the music, <laughs> to that. say the least. <laughs> I'm trying not to imagine. <laughs> Nothing to be able to dance and everything in your it's private a, place. It's a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> so what does your workspace actually look and feel like? I got a nice studio, nice little space. Got some windows, finally. Um, I'm a pheasant side. I've been killing myself because I use oil paint. I mean, it's the ventilation, but... No, it's incredible. I like to, ideally, when I'm working in my studio, I like to have a painting on every single wall. I have about three walls in my studio, so they're usually always filled up with paintings. Because I like to work on many paintings at a time. It just kind of keeps everything fresh and really prevents anything from becoming stale. And it also prevents me from overworking things because I can always bounce from one thing to another. But yeah, I usually always have a station for my paints, and then I just get to get to grooving in the studio, which is I need space. Space is key for me um, because that's a thing that I'm dealing with within my painting. So the space has to be right in the right conditions for me to create. What are you excited about right now? I'm my final year of the MFA program, Hunter's a three-year program. Lord have mercy. I'm ready to get up out of there. It's been truly incredible. But yeah, I finished in the spring. So right now I'm writing my thesis and then I'll be preparing my thesis show the works for the thesis show 
I have a few with galleries that I got to solidify for the upcoming year. But yeah, I'm looking forward to life after Hunter outside of academia again. I've been challenged. I've been pushed. And now I feel ready to continue to pursue this career as an artist even more. So, yeah. If, if you weren't a visual artist, what other career path do you think you would have chosen? Definitely a fashion, within fashion, fashion designer, or even like within like probably like an actor because I did um, acting in high school. It's kind of weird because like, I still would be affiliated with the New Arts at some shape and form. Like I've always been like that through my life. But yeah, definitely a fashion designer. That's something that I still hope to, even if not designing clothes, something within that regard. That's something that I still would like to kind of check off on my checklist. A little side mission that I got to set up for myself. Yeah, and it's good. It's creative. Do you feel black art can be defined? I feel like it'll be extremely difficult to do so. I want to say it's impossible. I think that would be a little too rigid. And I think it'll be unfair to a lot of artists that fall within the black art category. I don't know. I just feel like we're so expansive and it really would just be unjust. I mean, Rasheed Johnson kind of really said it the best. It's like black art is not monolithic, meaning that's like there's so much to us that it really would do us on service to just kind of box us all in one category. I mean, I see nothing wrong with being labeled being called a black artist because I definitely take value to that. But it depends on who's calling you that um, and what's their motives and their intentions behind it. But if I had to give you a yes or no answer, I don't feel like it can be defined um, simply because I think when you think of something being defined, you're you're obviously putting it into a category, your boxes get. um, So then limits become attached. And I think that can be a problem. And I don't think it's fair. So you're finishing up your MFA, mm-hmm. and I'm curious, like, so once you are no longer in school, mm-hmm. how do you plan to keep on learning? I think I've been kind of already doing that, even within the Hunter. Like, it's so, it's such a funny place, especially within grad school, because obviously there's no definitive supervision. Like, you have, like, faculty kind of helping you, but for the most part, I've had to do a whole lot of things on my own a whole lot of learning, and that's kind of like what they expect of you. So I really feel like I wouldn't have a problem once I leave this academic umbrella because I'm always looking to other artists to see how they're doing things and how they're trying to expand their practice. So really just kind of like taking bits of that and incorporating it into myself. Um, and just familiarizing myself with the scene and just kind of being around like-minded folks and just kind of really being comfortable being uncomfortable because that breeds change and growth. So just always looking for the next challenge in whatever category or area that can be in. I'm not worried. So <laughs> Earlier in the conversation, you mentioned a few artists at Hunter that have really been supportive of you. Mm-hmm. In an ideal world, what type of relationship would you like to see between established artists and emerging artists? Like what type of mentorship or advice would you, do you feel would be the ideal scenario? I think the ideal situation would be for those that have the wisdom and the experience within this field. I I wish that they can be, they can pass down the keys or just not being gatekeepers into, you know, this world. Cause I feel like even though I'm saying that a lot of my professors have done an incredible job uh, passing down the knowledge and sharing these resources, 
I feel like there's always still more room for it to expand and for it to grow. But my thing is, I wish there was less gatekeeping. But the reality is, it's really a competition. But I wish it wasn't always viewed as that. Um, and I think that can be the most frustrating thing, especially with somebody so early in their career. Like, if you have all this knowledge, why not just help pass it down and then just kind of keep it as a cyclical advancement for all generations? So my thing is, I wish more of those people within those positions just passed down the keys because everything would just be so smooth because then everybody else can kind of pitch in and kind of, it's really just everybody gives what they can give um, in that in that scenario. Yeah. Well, thank you for being honest. I've appreciated our conversation and this is my last question. What do you feel is the purpose of art? And as an artist, what is your role? I think the purpose of art is to move the culture. And the role of an artist is to be the cultural bearer, to move, help move the needle. In a way, we kind of are facilitators of culture and how things are seen, perceived, understood, appreciated. We have a lot of, have a lot of voice in a lot of decisions in society. And I think we should really take pleasure in that and acknowledge that and really kind of do our part because not everybody can be artists. It's not a super easy thing because there is a lot of responsibility. Once we realize that, I think we will all be for the better. Well, thank you for assuming the responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I try. (laughs) Art will save us. Oh, hopefully. Oh, gosh, it has saved me. Thank you so much, Demetrius. I appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.